Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. My name is Michelle Beck. I am a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, which is not very much, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. I'm so excited today to welcome my guest, Sarah Nelson. She is many things, but a practitioner of Chinese medicine. And I see her for acupuncture and herbs and She helps with so many things in my body that I didn't actually know was possible. So uh, trying to get her on the show for about a year now. So I'm super glad that she's finally here today. So Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Ancient Fern Medicine in Tigard, Oregon? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for your patience with my schedule. Um, Like you said, I'm a practitioner of Chinese medicine. So kind of the most well-known thing is acupuncture, but we do different types of body work. We offer nutrition services. Um, We do a lot of what would fall under like holistic health coaching. We do customized herbal medicine. And I run the practice with my husband, Timothy Nelson, who's also a Chinese medicine practitioner. And we have one little boy named Emmett. He's eight years old. And yeah, we've been running Ancient Fern for about seven years now. And yeah, does that answer the question? That is, that is so good. Thank you. So now how did you get into Chinese medicine? Because I know you grew up in the Midwest and so it's (laughs) not something that's like, hey, I'm from Minnesota and, or Missouri. I can't remember which one it was. I apologize. And I can't imagine that's a huge discipline out there. (laughs) No, definitely not. And you were really close. So I'm from Missouri and my husband, Tim is from Minnesota. So (laughs) neither of us grew up with any exposure to traditional Chinese medicine. Um, I would say I had an interest in healthcare and medicine probably as young as about 12. But, you know, when I got to be a teenager and started kind of having my first health complaints, I would go to the doctor and they'd be like, oh, you know, take this medicine. And I would always try to ask these questions like, well, why is this happening? Or what's going on with my body? Or is there anything else I can do, uh, you know, with my lifestyle? And they were always just kind of like, just take take Tylenol, you'll be fine. Take Tylenol, (laughs) take Benadryl when you can't sleep. It's fine. And I was like, okay, well that works, but I'm, I'm, I just wanted to know more. So I just kind of had that curiosity. And then I was in college, uh, my dad, um, developed some really bad chronic heartburn and he went to the doctor and they said, just take Prilosec every day for the rest of your life. That's it. My dad had the same response I did where he was like, you know, I I really want to figure out if there's something with my diet and lifestyle. So he went to see a naturopathic doctor actually. And this was kind of my entry into Chinese medicine. Um, So he went to see a naturopathic doctor, first type of practitioner he'd ever seen that worked with uh, food allergies and sensitivities, balancing his gut microbiome, helping him with stress management and um, different lifestyle changes he could make. And in six months, his condition was totally reversed. So I originally thought I wanted to go to school for naturopathic medicine because I was very inspired by that. And then kind of as I started going through college, I started having a lot of my own complex health issues. And ultimately, I sought out a naturopath to work with. And I was having some pretty significant issues that were later diagnosed as multiple autoimmune conditions, but a lot of chronic pain, a lot of anxiety, depression. I was not sleeping. 
Um, I was having a lot of food reactions, uh, a lot of hormone imbalance symptoms. My thyroid wasn't doing well. I was really in a difficult state. And the naturopath that I saw said, we should try acupuncture. I think it would really help you. I didn't know anything about it. Um, she also was an acupuncturist and I was like, I'm game. I'll try anything. Don't know how it works. And I was just really blown away by the immediate change in my symptoms. And I really thought like most people do, this is weird magic. I have to know. <laughs> it is. It's, it's very strange. <laughs> it's very strange. I, I literally knew nothing about the background of Chinese medicine. And I was like, I got to know more about this. So I was kind of on track to become, to go to school for naturopathic medicine and started looking into um, what was involved in adding an acupuncture degree. And we'll, we can kind of talk more about that another time, but I kind of ultimately ended up kind of having to choose one discipline over the other, just in terms mm -hmm. of time commitment and financial investment. And kind of through my own health journey, Chinese medicine was the thing that made sort of the deepest and most lasting impact on my health. So that's kind of how I got into it. Now, for someone who knows nothing about Chinese medicine, what is, how would you sum it up? Like what, what does it actually do and how, I right. know, I know, how does it work? I know we could talk about that right. for days, but just right. a little short there's, synopsis. Absolutely. So there's a lot to that. And I would, I always tell people it's, it is really hard to sum up because in so many ways, it's an entirely different way of looking at the body. But one thing I will say is similar to other natural holistic based medicines, we're just looking at the whole individual. So we're looking at each person kind of with this idea of constitution. We all kind of come in with our own genetic makeup, right? Like our family history and things we bring in with us. And then there's the unique experiences that we have throughout our life, what our adversities are, what sort of advantages we have in life, what sort of accidents or traumas that we have. And Chinese medicine really takes all of that into account, as well as unique things like, you know, what's the climate like where the person lives and how does their constitution interact with that climate and what are sort of the unique challenges that, you know, that meeting of that external environment and that individual is, is going to create for that person. And really, first and foremost, looks at supporting the body's natural ability to heal itself more than the mindset of like, you know, we just give antibacterial herbs to treat infections. It's more like, why is the body's immune system not strong or dysregulated or suppressed? And how do we help it recover? Um, yeah, it's kind of intro. <laughs> so, and you had mentioned that what most people think of when they hear Chinese medicine as acupuncture. And I know that's why I started going to, I have done it in the past, but if someone is super nervous about it. Like I have always had a, a needle phobia. I can mm -hmm. blame my doctor growing up because he gave oh. me those giant penicillin shots in my butt and literally it traumatized me so much that I, oh. I've been just a hot mess with needles ever since. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, why would I, why would I go lay down <laughs> and have someone stick giant needles all over my body? not knowing that these are very little tiny needles. They have a flat tips. They're, they're very yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. It's very but different. My first time I was a sweaty mess. Literally. I sweat. It was, I sweated through the sheet because oh. I was like, I am, this is, yeah. I don't know why I'm doing this, but once I got through that first visit, I'm like, this is amazing. So what do you do for someone who's coming in for their first acupuncture yeah. visit and they're nervous? Yeah. So we spend a lot of time in that initial visit. Um, we're not really a fast paced clinic. We spend 90 minutes of dedicated time with every new patient. And especially for people who are brand new, you know, there's 
first of all, I make sure to leave time that they get to ask any questions or express any nervousness or hesitation that they're feeling, um, as well as kind of giving them a demo. Um, I saw a great visual the other day that somebody took one of those needles that you're talking about, like that they use to give an injection or draw your blood. And you can fit 19 acupuncture needles inside the little hollow tube of that needle. That's how, that's how small they are. And That's I love crazy. that visual because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it really is, we're talking like hair thin, you know? And so sometimes just showing people that demo and, mm-hmm. and them really seeing, oh my gosh, this isn't going to make me bleed. It's not going to like beat up my body. I'm barely going to feel it. Um, you know, and then I show them the demo of like how the needles are inserted to make it as painless as possible. And, um, you know, just kind of really spend time talking through what they can expect, you know, and, and also letting them know that, it is a very open, it's an, it's a collaborative environment where they, we're checking in with them regularly about the treatment. There's no, like, you have to just grin and bear it. If you're so nervous, you're feeling like you're going to pass out. Or anything. <laughs> you know, we go, we go at the pace that each person is comfortable going. And so that might be two needles on your first treatment. Usually after the first needle goes in, people are like, Oh, that was way easier than I expected. It's literally like, oh, you can just relax oh, after that. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. And and I'm not gonna lie, there are times when I get a zing and I'm like, ooh. Oh, yeah. But that's I that's when I know you've actually got the spots that really need the help. Because it's the other day I, I saw Sarah two days ago, thankfully, because my back was a hot mess. And she also works on my hands and my feet for joint pain. And there was one spot on the outside of my ankle. I was like, oh, but yeah. then and then it goes away. And literally when I got off that table 30, 40 minutes later, I was a whole new person because my back was tight. I was leaning to one side because of certain pain and just let, I fell asleep twice and I've got <laughs> 20 some needles in me and it's that relaxing once you finally get in there. But what if someone is just really against needles, but they still want to yeah. experience Chinese medicine? What else can you do for them? Yeah. Absolutely. So there are other modalities, you know, there's lots of Asian bodywork styles, there's shiatsu massage, which is done totally clothed and involves, you know, rocking and pressing along the acupuncture meridians. There's acupressure where we're holding and pressing certain points or tapping points, either with the hands and more of a massage type technique, or we're using non-insertive tools that kind of look like fancy metallic needles that don't pierce the skin. Um, we do cupping, we do um, a little bit of myofascial massage, we do something called craniosacral therapy. And then there's so much that can still be done in the herbal medicine and just sort of gentle nutrition guidance and overall lifestyle balancing of figuring out, you know, what's the type of, what's the right type of therapeutic movement for this person Um, working with mindfulness practices. There's a lot of different tools that we can draw from. And I always like to use the example of the youngest patient we recently had a patient as young as three in our practice, and I've treated people all the way up to 93. And um, so you can really kind of meet and, you know, with little tiny kids, we don't do any needles at all. A lot of times it's all acupressure and massage and different other techniques. So we can and kind of ease into it. I had no idea you did cranial sacral. We did yeah. that with my son when he was a newborn because mm-hmm. his skull plates were out of alignment Yeah, and, really and he, helpful. W- he wouldn't nurse. And like once they you know, we did, I don't know, three, four sessions. It was amazing. The change so in, it was crazy how that worked um, in a good way, but yeah. I swear next My time, we're, too. Yeah. yeah, next time we're going to try some of those other yeah. massage, different things that I come in and, yeah. and yeah, I'm um, happy. 
to do that. And herbs is something that have also really helped me out a lot. Mm-hmm. It's and in as Sarah mentioned, we you go in for the first time and we have these really lengthy appointments talking about so many things that you would never expect, like your sleep, how how does your gut feel? How's this? How's that? How's your joints? And Sarah has figured out this blend of herbs for me and you know, still fine-tuning a little bit. We've but we I didn't have the, the prop, the exact right one. We're like, Oh, let's try this. But man, I got new ones the other day and I slept like a baby. So it's, it's amazing the, (laughs) what, what it can do. Um, How can Chinese medicine benefit people going through and after a cancer diagnosis? Yeah. So I like to, I got um, kind of my initial experience working with the cancer community um, when I was in school, my primary internship was at a clinic called the Immune Enhancement Project, which is a nonprofit that is low-cost services for mostly people going um, through any type of cancer. And they can be anywhere in that journey. They can be just diagnosed, going through treatment. They can be in remission, recovery. They might be terminal um, and a lot of autoimmune disease. And that's where I really got to see the, the benefits of even just after a diagnosis, there's so much stress and anxiety Sometimes people stop sleeping, their appetite drops, they're just feeling nauseated from the stress, they might be having headaches, Um, they're processing a lot. And I would say, you know, we know that all of those things um, impact the the strength of the immune system, right? Like it all, you know, kind of like affects how the immune system is going to respond. And we really want, no matter what type of treatment you have to have, whether that's a surgery, chemo, radiation, all of it, you want to be one, you want to be in a good like mental health state as much as possible when you're going through something that difficult. And so there's so much for just kind of giving people that holistic support to know that they're going to have a place to go where they get treated like a whole person and can talk about anything that's going on with them and address any and all of their symptoms, not just their cancer diagnosis, so that they can get help with their anxiety the nausea, the insomnia, any whatever's coming up for them sort of in those initial moments of, of a major life event like that. So it would seem that if someone does come down with a cancer diagnosis at that time, even though you're overwhelmed with all of the new things, the terminology, the diagnosis itself, your, your head has exploded. It would be a good thing also at that same time to visit either a naturopath or a Chinese medicine practitioner yeah. so they can help you through that process. Because all of those things you described, the anxiety, the sleeplessness, the, uh, you know, the nausea, it's the, you can help with that. Absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, like I said, I think just one, it helps with those symptoms. There are so many natural things that you can do. I mean, even if you don't want to take supplements or don't want to take herbs, the acupuncture alone is going to help with all of that. And it's totally um, safe and, and recognized as being helpful in the integrative oncology world. So most oncologists are totally supportive of it um, and encourage their patients to do it if they're able. Um, so yeah, I would say, and really kind of through the, the whole process can be helpful. And we'll talk more about that. It's funny because I, Never before I had my cancer diagnoses, I never stepped out of the traditional Western medicine comfort zone because I didn't, I was feeling okay. You know, I'd gone through various, you know, anxiety or depression, but I was like, okay, I can control this with the medication and, and lifestyle. But then once I went through a cancer diagnosis, it changed my body so much and my mental health that I've, I decided to embrace the Eastern and Western medicine together because fully believe that, you know, my oncologist, they know what to do with my cancer. However, 
the post survivorship portion of a cancer diagnosis is so challenging. And I have all of these new issues that my oncologist is like, "Mm, not my deal. So, (laughs) right. Right. They kind of are like, I did my job. Like, (laughs) congratulations. That's very common. It it is incredibly common. And it's something that so many, I know women that I work with, they really struggle with is figuring that out. So and word of mouth is how I've really found all my practitioners through through my friends and associates. I know um, we found you guys through Tim had connected with Allison, my executive director at the the BNI meetings, the business meetings, mm-hmm. and we started you know a little partnership with Ancient Fern and. Uh, I've recommended so many people to you in our, in our tigered moms group that we have here. Someone the other day was looking for an acupuncturist and multiple people on there said you, and I I was like, yes, yeah. I'm like, Sarah, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) it's great. I, I love that. And you know, that is something that I feel like I, uh, the culture of moms groups, like they're very, you know, quick to be like, I've had a great experience with this person. And I wish men would do that more for each other too. You know, that, but I mean, you know, we're kind of known in, in multiple community circles, but community is really the way to build those relationships. Cause I really think when people are looking for something new, that's a little unfamiliar and they're a little nervous about it. They really do want to hear from a trusted source that someone's had a good experience with someone. And that's really mostly how our business has grown and how we've built a positive um, relationship with the community. Yeah. Word of mouth is huge, but we do have so much more to talk about. We're going to take a short break. So listeners out there, you can find Sarah on ancientfern.com, right? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, But, and then uh, also if you listeners, if you would like to support breast friends, you can go to our website, website and donate or text BF radio to 41444 to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Or if you need our assistance, please go to our patient programs under our website and see what we can do for you. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Claire Paxman, brand ambassador for Paxman Scout Cooling. Through my mom, I experienced the detrimental impact that hair loss during cancer treatment can have on someone's sense of identity. I am passionate in spreading the word about how scalp cooling can help those going through chemo treatment to retain hair and to gain a degree of control at this most difficult time in their lives. Listen in to the Breast Friends Cancer Support Network Wednesday at 9am Pacific, March the 2nd, 2022 and hear more about how you can address this devastating side effect. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Sarah Nelson from Ancient Fern Medicine. She's a Chinese medicine practitioner, and we've been talking about what Chinese medicine can do for, for anyone really, but really we're going to focus on how to deal with certain traumatic situations and, but also self-care. So before break, Sarah, we were talking about how Chinese medicine can help someone with going through cancer diagnosis, but what really about a chemotherapy treatment? Cause that can mm. really take the toll on the body. Yeah. So this is really one area where there's actually some good research supporting the efficacy of acupuncture and particularly on um, nausea. So chemotherapy related nausea. Um, and that can be really mild to everything very severe, you know, where people are throwing up multiple times a day and unable to eat and they're losing concerning amounts of weight and experiencing dehydration. It can pretty much totally alleviate those symptoms in some cases. And most patients report at least like a 70% reduction in the severity of that symptom with as little as one treatment. Um, when I was working at IEP, a lot of patients would time it where they'd be like, okay, I know that if I come the day before or the day, you know, the morning after my chemo infusion, my nausea is, you know, a two instead of a nine. And peripheral neuropathy is another big one. Um, a huge side effect that comes yes. up for so many people, depending on which drugs you have, but really, really common. And I would say that actually the results are best if people are getting the acupuncture while they go through the treatment, because we prevent it from becoming severe. But that even if people don't have the advantage of knowing about it and they don't find out about it until later on, it can still reverse some of the most severe damage. Um, and I've only seen a few cases where it, you know, it was really, really severe and we weren't able to completely resolve the condition, but we still experienced a lot of improvement. Like I said, like 70 to 80% improvement where um, person's symptoms were mild or intermittent versus constant and really painful. So those are big things. Um, any other sort of like GI upset, you know, if you're having um, chronic diarrhea or really severe constipation from being on narcotic pain meds, like it can really help with the digestive dysregulation. A lot of women that I worked with going through breast cancer treatment got severe insomnia. Um, and that's not Same. good for your yeah. immune system or your recovery. You really need to sleep in order to recover. And they would come in and get a treatment, like you, like you said yourself, conk out on the table, take an hour long nap, and they'd go home and be able to sleep that night. So just things that really improve quality of life and how you feel and help your body be more resilient. And, you know, everybody wants to kind of get through those treatments and be done with it as soon as possible. And the healthier you can stay as you go through it, the faster you're going to get through those chemo appointments. So what do the needles actually do in your body? Ooh, good question. So, uh, I, I kind of just started yeah. out knowing that people knew what they do. Cause I, I have a vague idea <laughs> and I, yeah. I still let you stick them in me all the time, but what, what, what are the needles doing? 
So I like to give both the, both the sort of traditional Eastern medicine answer. And I like to give just a quick primer of the Western medicine um, answer, because in my world, they're both really important. So, um, you know, in the traditional sense, you're working with the idea of, of acupuncture channel theory, this idea that we have acupuncture channels on the surface of our body and some are superficial and some go internal and connect to our organs and they travel all over and some intersect and connect to each other. And that when you choose a particular point, you're clearing blockage of, um, you're clearing blockage in that channel. You're reconnecting the, the flow, flow of energy in the channel. Now, for people who are like, I'm not sure if I believe in that. I don't know. It sounds kind of weird. I say, well, you don't have to believe in that because we also know that it's having some very real physical, measurable scientific effects. We know that it helps improve the circulation pretty immediately in the area where you put the needles. So we know that it helps those little capillaries that... Um, kind of distribute the blood flow in that tissue. It helps them to relax and open up a little bit. So it helps the blood and the fluid flow better in the tissue, which is why it helps lower blood pressure a little bit. Um, we, we know, and we don't know why it has this effect, but we know that it does that it, you know, so when your back is turning and we put the needles in your back, it turns down the volume on that pain signal from the area in your back that's hurting to your brain. It actually turns up your brain's natural pain relieving ability. We know that it can help upregulate and help your brain make more of its own endorphins, which are your natural pain relieving ability in your body. So it's helping, um, helping improve the circulation, helping speed healing. We know that um, one of the other working theories is something we like to call positive micro trauma, which is this idea that you're creating a teeny tiny wound in the tissue, but that it's just enough to tell the immune system Hey, come over here and make a little healing response, you know? So it's not like when you sprain your ankle and it gets all swollen and inflamed and your immune system goes crazy trying to heal it. You don't experience it as pain or discomfort, but it's just enough to kind of tell your immune system, Hey, get rid of this inflammation that's here in this tissue. Hey, bring a little more blood flow. Hey, relax that muscle, turn down the volume on that pain that you're experiencing. So it's doing a lot of different things at once, which is partially what makes it so difficult to study and pin down this is exactly like its mechanism of action because it's doing a lot. I've never heard of that. The positive micro trauma. That's actually really yeah. cool. Yeah. Same thing with like, uh, if, if you know anything about like the world of aesthetics and how they talk about micro needling and how much it can like regenerate collagen and get rid of fine mm -hmm. lines, exact same theory, right? So this is, this is a technique that's being used. Ooh, can I start having other you work my crow's feet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can put some little uh, intradermal needles in there. These can be pinchy. I don't lie about these. These are pinchy, but they are teeny, teeny, tiny. We'll thread some in there next time. That's okay. I, yeah. I always joke that I have, I have my smile lines because it shows that I'm laughing and I'm smiling. It does. So yeah, absolutely. Aging gracefully at 50. Yeah. <laughs> so you let's are. get back to my actual, my yeah. other than that score moment, yeah. but I think it was really important to explain how, how it actually yeah. works. So what about with, cause so many of our listeners they've gone through or are, have surgeries upcoming, how can acupuncture and Chinese medicine help you prepare for or recover from a surgery? So I think one of the things that, um, is really important that I learned when I was working in that clinic that I mentioned was how important it is, uh, 
especially going through cancer for patients, not to lose too much weight going into a surgery. So if you're going through chemo at the same time, depending on your type of cancer, that can be a really important thing. So that just kind of ties back in with what we were talking about before of like keeping that nausea down, keeping your appetite up, keeping you sleeping well, keeping your body's um, ability to heal and repair and regenerate as strong as it can possibly be so that you go into that surgery, um, like feeling the best that you can feel also calming that sort of pre-op anxiety, but then immediately post-op, as soon as you're able to realistically come in for treatment, it helps with swelling. It helps reduce inflammation. It helps, you know, we never needle like into an open incision, but we might gently work on the tissue around it um, to kind of help promote the circulation, improve the healing process and just post-op pain management is huge. Um, if you've ever had to be on high doses of opiates, and a lot of people um, really don't like how they make them feel. Um, they make you feel groggy, kind of cranky, constipated. <laughs> like a lot of times people want off those meds as soon as they possibly can. So if you have something that is going to, you know, keep your pain 60% lower and reduce your need for that medication and get you off of it quicker, you're going to have your energy back sooner you're going to be up, up and around a little bit faster. And that's going to speed your healing too. Just the way that being able to get up and gently move around is going to help um, improve circulation, the immune system healing, and also just your mental health. Like the better your recovery goes, the more optimistic you're going to be feeling about the future and how things are going. Completely makes sense. I've actually had post-surgery work done. I have a latissimus scar on my back because I had a mm -hmm. latissimus flap for my mastectomy. And I have a photo somewhere of, I have about a six inch long scar and I was having a lot of range of motion issues. Mm -hmm. And for probably like a month straight every week, um, my prior acupuncturist, it was pretty, I mean, recent after my surgery, mm -hmm. but we lined that area around the incision mm -hmm. site and it promoted the healing so much. I could visibly see the scars lessening and my range of motion was getting better. And it, it was amazing. And, you know, yeah. like non-believers are like, okay, that yeah. works. I'm like, no, a hundred percent. It works. Yeah. I have a, I have a, a patient, a longtime patient who's a, also a two-time survivor. And when originally came to see me, just had one small incision where the original treatment had just been a lumpectomy. Um, but she had lingering pain, you know, around that small incision because it had mm -hmm. kind of puckered. It had created uncomfortable scar tissue. She'd had radiation on that mm -hmm. side and she just had pain and tension that radiated into her armpit. And we did like two treatments of what, you know, so that's like a totally healed incision. So we can go in there really gently, like you're describing kind of along both sides. And we just kind of break up those little scar tissue adhesions. And like I said, with that positive microtrauma, the immune system goes, Oh, okay. You, you want us to heal this spot. You want us to, you know, like lo loosen that tissue up, create some new healthy tissue. And she could not believe, um, the result in just a couple of treatments that she came back and was like, yeah, my, my armpit isn't hurting. The right side of my chest isn't hurting after just two gentle treatments where we didn't even have to really cause any discomfort during the treatment. Um, yeah, it's really amazing for, so even if, even if, you know, you're a little further out from your surgery and, you know, they're telling you, well, you're healed and you're like, but I still have pain around this incision or the skin is really tight and sore. It can help with that a lot. What about if you have a patient who's coming in and it's, they've gone through cancer treatment, but they're, they're living metastatic. How, how do you, I'm sure you have some patients who are 
terminal or even, you know, nearing end of life, I'm sure that there are things that you can do for them as well. Absolutely. So, um, I'll use, I had a powerful experience kind of early in working with, uh, patients with cancer where I worked with a a woman who was terminal. I believe it started out as colon cancer, but had was, she was metastatic and had had many, many surgeries, but was on hospice. And the main thing that was going on with her was she had terrible ascites. She had terrible fluid buildup in her abdomen that would just cause so much discomfort. And she had a lot of, and she was very, very thin and frail and had a lot of pain and difficulty just lying down and finding a comfortable position. And you know, would periodically have to go in if the fluid got so bad and have to have it drained, but she would come in and, you know, we'd, we'd get her in a comfortable position on the table. We'd prop her up with all kinds of pillows. And, you know, we would talk about everything from like knitting to art and music and just like connected with her as a whole person. And she reported that when she would go home after those treatments, that her abdominal swelling and fluid would go down like 70% and that she'd be able to get up and walk around. She'd be able to eat a little food. She'd be able to visit and be present with her friends and family. She was able to enjoy the time that she had left a lot more because of those treatments. It gave her pain relief in the areas where she had, you know, bone bruises and bone spurs. Um, You know, so I think people who are living metastatic really deserve every holistic option available to them. You know, they deserve to feel as good as they can for as long as they possibly can. And to have that time that they do have um, be of the most quality it can be. So whether that's, you know, pain management so that they can remain active and do hobbies, um, you know, like I said, just managing nausea, side effects of medication so that they can stay strong and not lose too much weight. And I would say, one thing that's really near and dear to my heart is giving them a place where they can be real about the emotions that they're going through. Cause I think sometimes there's pressure to be positive for friends and family um, and to, to give them a place where they can talk about the fears, the anxieties, the realities that they're dealing with, and to know that they don't have to, you know, hold it together in that space. So they can come in and cry. They can be angry. They can be, you know, sad, anxious, whatever. And we can work with, with helping kind of, um, process the physical effects of those emotions and help them feel more sort of settled and, and calm in their body as they're kind of, you know, facing mortality as we all kind of are every day, but in a much more real way for them. Yes. And you you definitely act as a therapist sometimes for me as well. I've, <laughs> I share very personal things with Sarah and, but you, it's important to find that practitioner that you feel so comfortable with. And it's very funny because Sarah and her husband practice together and, Sarah and I, we clicked. We're very, we're both very vocal and very vibrant. And how, how do you describe you? Earth, earth and earth and fire. Tim, I, I'm more fire. Tim's mm-hmm. more water. So water like and meditative, subconscious, yes. quiet. <laughs> and one of my coworkers sees Tim, and we've talked about the differences between you two. And she's like, "Yes, Tim is my jam. He's very calm and he's very slow." I'm like, "Well, Sarah's my jam, so we're good." <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes Tim and I can tell right away if we get someone that I'm like, like, Oh, we oh need to no, switch. you need to see Tim. <laughs> and I never, you know, I never want the person to feel that I don't want to treat them or support them, but I always give them the option. And I, if I really feel the person would be a good fit for Tim, I'm like, do one treatment with Tim. And then you decide and know that like, we have no stake in the game 
at all. It's, it's whatever is the best fit for you and whatever energy feels like it has the most resonance for you, because you're right, it is important. And, and we do ask, um, you know, a lot of times people are also in counseling. I refer for counseling a ton for Mm -hmm. many, many people going through chronic health conditions. Um, but you know, because we're, we're asking those more in-depth questions about how you're really doing in your body, a lot of people just find that stuff comes up during that process because they don't get asked very often. <laughs> and then they're surprised what comes up when they do. And once you, as we've mentioned, you're, you're done with quote unquote active treatment or you're, you're living and your oncologist has managed, you know, your cancer, your friends and family, they're like, okay, you're good. Right. And you're like, uh, uh, okay. And <laughs> right. You might, might not be good. So it's important to find practitioners like Sarah and Tim and other, especially naturopathic Chinese medicine, because it can help so much with the mental health aspects along with everything else. And we're going to talk about this after break, but one thing that Sarah has really helped me with is I have been on aromatase inhibitor medication for five years post-treatment. And I struggle with all of the side effects. I'm I'm the poster child for side effects. So we're going to talk about that when we get back from break, but please stay with us. We have so much more to talk about listeners. If you would like to be my guest sponsor an episode, or just send me your warrior story to read on air, please email me at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. I'm Claire Paxman, brand ambassador for Paxman Scout Cooling. Through my mom, I experienced the detrimental impact that hair loss during cancer treatment can have on someone's sense of identity. I am passionate in spreading the word about how scout cooling can help those going through chemo treatment to retain hair and to gain a degree of control at this most difficult time in their lives. Listen in to the Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, Wednesday at 9am Pacific, March the 2nd, 2022, and hear more about how you can address this devastating side effect. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Sarah Nelson, Chinese medicine practitioner. We've been talking about all the amazing things that acupuncture and herbs and having an amazing friend who is a practitioner help you out with all of the emotions that go through this. But Sarah, before break, I had mentioned that I came to you with physical pain and, and we knew acupuncture would help a lot of those things, but also with pain from the medication and all the side effects. I don't sleep well. I have joint pain. I have hot flashes. I'm, I'm literally the poster child for side effects. Yeah. And so how would you treat someone like this who comes to you aside from the acupuncture? Yeah, absolutely. So um, herbal medicine can be really helpful as well. And, you know, what I like to to educate people about when it comes to medication side effects, especially uh, medications like aromatase inhibitors, where the plan is likely for you to be on it long-term is that I'm halfway done. I've got five more years. (laughs) Yeah. For a long period. Hopefully what's the, what's your total time? 10, 10, 10. Okay. So, you know, the idea that we're going to get rid of the side effect completely while you're on the medication is probably not realistic, but it is realistic to think that we can improve those side effects by, I like just confidently say 80% ish. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, it's one of those things that does require a little bit of maintenance, you know? So what we find is that, you know, when we do that acupuncture to help the circulation in the joints and lower the inflammation and, you know, we're giving herbs to help lower inflammation and calm the nervous system and help with sleep. um, And kind of, you know, we're not being really careful not to give anything that's going to raise estrogen in the body, but like things that are going to actually help help the body detox and make sure that estrogen doesn't, uh, excess estrogen doesn't build up, um, things like that. And just, you know, sort of treating it from that sort of overall holistic perspective. It's something that is going to require some degree of maintenance, but like you've experienced, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to come every week forever. You know, that might look like a few concentrated treatments in the beginning, maybe four or five while your symptoms are really severe and then getting you on a maintenance plan where, you're coming maybe every three or four weeks, you know, for a tune-up. And as you've noticed, sometimes there's a little bit of waxing and waning with those symptoms, depending on the season and the weather or Mm -hmm. how active you are, or if you go through a really stressful period. So a lot of people notice that um, besides just the medication, the symptoms can wax and wane a little bit with life. And so again, because we're looking at it from that totally holistic picture Um, you know, the acupuncture that we were doing might change a little bit based on what else is going on in your body and what else is flared up and trying to figure out what's sort of contributing to the underlying inflammation. So, yeah. What type of, are there possible interactions between the herbs that you're prescribing and say my aromatase inhibitors or my anxiety medication? Mm -hmm. How do all those work in conjunction? Right. This is a really big topic. We could do a whole podcast. We could do a series of podcasts on this. Um, You'll just have to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I would love to talk about this more because I think it's a really important topic. And one that I would say that when I first started out as an herbalist, I was very uncomfortable and scared about prescribing herbs in conjunction with pharmaceuticals because I just didn't know. I didn't feel confident. And I would get asked that question about, does it interact? And the honest answer is, We don't have any reason to believe that it does, but can I sit here and say, we have all kinds of controlled double blind studies on every single herb and every single medication that prove that there's no interaction and that it is 100% safe. No, we don't have that research. The reason I sort of lean into the safety and the efficacy of it is because we're talking about traditional formulas that have been around for 3000 years or more. 
that's a lot of sort of time tested. It's actually kind of hard to process because (laughs) here in the the States, we're so new. We're so new. It's like, you know, 400 years max. And, but then, you know, back in China, like 3000 years ago, they started working all these things and it's still here. So it must be doing something right. It's still here. And I will say that, you know, there are a lot of different styles and approaches to practicing herbal medicine. And I'm what would be called like a classical herbalist, meaning that I don't use a lot of the newer formulations that have been sort of um, edited or changed or new herbs that have been discovered in the last, you know, hundred years or so, because I am so much more comfortable leaning into that really long-term time-tested knowledge. And the same could be said about like using herbs in pregnancy. I get that question a lot. Mm -hmm. Is this safe to take for my nausea? Is this, you know, I'm I'm spotting and I'm worried about a miscarriage. There's this formula that can help stop bleeding, but is it safe during pregnancy? And I'm like, well, it's been used for exactly this condition in this combination and at these dosages for thousands of years. So I trust that it is. Now I fully recognize that for each person, that's sort of a question of uh, what paradigm you ascribe to and what your worldview is on that sort of thing. I will say that when people are on a lot, a lot of pharmaceuticals and they're going through, you know, kind of like the heaviest part of the chemotherapy treatment, sometimes we do kind of, we kind of pause and don't give a lot of supplements or herbs during that time, just to kind of let the conventional treatment kind of do what it needs to do. Trust the oncologist, but there's so much we can do in that recovery phase and I now really feel like if people are on one or two pharmaceuticals that we, we know what the mechanism of action is, we know what it's doing in the body. And we are, we're pretty clear that this one herbal formula that we're going to give is not going to interfere with that mechanism of action in any way. Like I said, not giving anything that's high in phytoestrogens and going to raise your estrogen level, then I feel pretty confident in the safety of that. But I'm very upfront with people. It's like, no, I, I don't have like a published study. I can show you that says this specific formula and this specific drug are okay together. So we have a very open conversation about that, about what my knowledge base is and what my confidence can be and what the limitations of that are. Perfect. Very thorough answer. I appreciate yeah. that. That's going to become one of my video clips that I'm posting. So yeah. <laughs> it's really good information to know. Yeah. You mentioned before that you also help people with lifestyle. What are the top five lifestyle changes that yeah. you recommend for someone to feel better? Yeah. So I think, I think nutrition and lifestyle advice is really overwhelming for people because there is so So much much out there there. (laughs) and there's so much competing plant-based paleo, keto, anti-inflammatory, all the things. And it's, you know, I've, I've done it all. I've studied it all. I've done all the different therapeutic diets. And what I really find is that the basics are plenty for most people. So it's things like you know, not being dogmatic about like, I can never have a sweet treat, but reducing your refined sugar by 80% and just being really mindful and, you know, saying, I'm going to really try to reduce added sugar in my diet. I'm going to swap out refined grains for whole grains. I'm going to try to eat more oats and brown rice and quinoa and less, you know, crackers and kettle chips, (laughs) you know, although it is still fine to have those things. I'm going to Um, you know, I think that emphasizing on foods that are nutrient dense, so really variety and being open to like trying a new vegetable that you haven't had before and just checking in with sort of, is the food you're eating colorful? Are you getting a variety of different, different things on your plate, um, different types of fruits, different types of veggies. And if you're feeling stuck in a rut, 
change it up and try something new that you haven't tried before. Um, I think that omega-3s are really important. So if I can get people to eat wild-caught seafood, I emphasize that. Like if you're not going to take expensive fish oil supplements, that's fine. But just try to make high omega-3 foods part of your diet on a regular basis. And then really, um, aside from just the basic nutrition things, it's also about finding social connection and relationships that are uplifting and supportive and positive, finding things that bring you joy. Um, having strong and healthy boundaries in your life and your relationship around like not always a really hard one and overdoing. And it's a really hard one, Mm -hmm. but equally important as what you're eating and putting in your mouth versus, um, you know, kind of like, yeah, we want to protect your sleep and make sure you're getting enough sleep. We want to exercise and all those things, but that emotional well-being piece and how you protect your time and your energy reserves is equally important. So I do have a lot of um, loving conversations around that. <laughs> that is definitely something that I have struggled yeah. with always. I've in my, in my family, in my professions, I've always been essentially a caregiver. Uh, I was a, a chief level executive assistant for 15 years, literally taking care of my bosses, board members, companies. And then I became a stay at home mom. And then supportive, you know, person assistant at breast friends. And, and it's really taken me until I'm 50 years old to establish some boundaries because I have to take care of myself first. It's the oxygen mask theory. If you, you have to put on your oxygen mask first or else you can't take care of anyone else. And I'm learning. It's still hard for me though. It's still hard. And I was just talking about this with a longtime patient yesterday that Um, is, you know, kind of has their own health challenges, but is trying to like, you know, make sure their dad goes to the doctor and make sure their grandpa goes to the doctor. And and I'm like, you know, their care can't come at the expense of your well-being. And it sounds like there's some family conversations that just need to happen. And we always, you know, we kind of use the analogy of that pouring out of the cup. You can pour and pour and pour. And when it's empty, it has to be refilled from somewhere. You can't keep pouring if it's empty. And so really, I have found over the years that those conversations um, are just as important as the conversations we have around trying to make sure you drink water and eat veggies and don't have too much sugar or too much alcohol or whatever, like the basic stuff that deep down we all kind of know is good for us. Right. But it's, you know, most of the time I find that when people are struggling to make those basic healthy or supportive choices for themselves, there's usually a level of overwhelm and fatigue happening in their life and they're not feeling well resourced enough to do those things for themselves that they know would be helpful. And so we have to kind of figure out what the blocks are there. And a lot of times it's, it's overgiving, overextended, not enough money, not enough time. And we just have to try to figure out creative ways to make that happen for each person. Makes sense. Now you obviously love what you do and you're very passionate Mm -hmm. about it, but what are some of the challenges that you encounter? Well, I would say a big challenge is still just sort of awareness and education. People kind of knowing what it is, knowing that it's, knowing that it really can benefit them no matter what they have going on, understanding like all the different things that it's good for. I mean, a lot of people just think they have to be super sick to seek out something like alternative medicine. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many common everyday ailments that it can be helpful with allergies, pain, sleep, anxiety, so many of the things we've touched on. Um, The other thing I would say is just like access and affordability. And we do take a fair amount of insurance in our practice. And that's been a learning curve, sort of learning how to navigate that world. um, And just sort of that marriage of wanting to offer something that's different and 
um, offering a lot of time and quality to our patients, but, you know, still kind of trying to work within the existing system and making sure that we can build a financially sustainable business that's going to stick around and thrive and meet our needs as a family, as well as allow us to continue to serve our patients. And just always, you know, sort of walking that line of, it's a great thing that we get to bill insurance for these services here in Oregon. That's kind of uncommon. It um, literally, it makes my life so much better yeah. because I couldn't come as much as I do. Of course. But you know, the fact that I, it's literally, we switched insurance as a new year and there wasn't even a deductible for you this year for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. And I'm like winning. So yeah. I'm, and- it makes it so much better for me. Yeah. yeah. And just getting that, getting that a lot of people still just don't know in Oregon, they don't mm-hmm. know that they have coverage for acupuncture. They don't, you know, people who have Providence insurance, pretty much all of them have at least 12 visits that are covered. Um, so just kind of awareness, raising awareness and making sure that people can have as much access and yeah. And then also just practicing what I preach and working my own self-care around making sure that I have good work-life balance because I am in a caretaking profession. I do Mm -hmm. have a partner and a family and a um, individual self to uh, tend to and just making sure that I'm keeping myself in good balance. Super important. Okay. We have one minute. Tell us what your greatest joy is in your practice. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's definitely just watching people transform and really getting to know their stories on a level that I feel like is so special and intimate and feels really sacred to me. And it really feels like such a high honor um, to really see people come into greater awareness of just sort of being able to be in their body in a more comfortable way um, to sort of take control of their health, to feel empowered, to make the decisions that are going to, you know, make changes that are going to help them. And really I've, I've seen some things, some cases that, you know, came in and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I can help this person, but I'm going to try my best. And a year later, the person is just transformed and unrecognizable. Like so many things are better. And that is, is truly special. Muted myself. Sorry about that. So a uh, perfect way to end on that note. So listeners, you can find out more information about Sarah and ancient fern medicine at ancientfern.com. You can follow them on Instagram at ancient fern RX. So again, Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Thank listeners, you so much for having me. Thank you. Listeners, if you or a loved one need our services, please visit breastfriends.org. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to four one. 444 to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. If you'd like to be a guest on my show or submit your warrior story or sponsor an episode, please email me at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to breast friends, cancer support network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.